I'm Aaron. This is Paul. Fuck Wayne. And happy birthday, Tim. Happy birthday, Tim. You know, Tim let us know earlier in the week, oh, you know what, I, uh, I haven't read any comic books, I don't have any comic books, there wasn't anything out there that interested me. Oh, yeah, Titans Hunt came out this week, I forgot to pick that up, but, uh, you know, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to be there on Saturday. And so, you know, it becomes, we become aware, you know, through the ether, and I guess social media, that today is actually Tim's birthday. So I think that the reason why he truly chose not to be here, Paul, is because Tim was afraid we were going to throw him a surprise birthday party. And he, uh, that's and he, exactly and, it. And he gets embarrassed about those kinds of things. You know, he gets very emotional. And, you know, Tim really you know presents this gruff, furry exterior. But, uh, you know, he's really just a big soft, and he just doesn't like to, the, the public crying. You know, because yeah, well, we, and he was probably going to pee his pants a little bit at the surprise. Sure, yeah, because he, he startles easily. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's it's so it's the uh, the, the soiled clothing and the uh, the the vast salty man tears. So uh, but, you know, hopefully he is, you know, hearing this at home and, you know, he's he's on something perhaps plastic, something that's easily wiped down, um, you know, as we as we wish him a happy Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Tim. It's 8.50 a.m. your time, so I'm sure at this very moment you are shoving alcohol in your face. Absolutely. It's his his birthday. He's turning like what, 65, something like that? Yeah, he's something like that. It's hard to tell with all that hair. (laughs) Yeah, I think he, I I, honestly, I think Tim is either part Wookiee or part Sasquatch. Hmm. You know, maybe both, maybe half and half. Maybe maybe you're right. Maybe he he is a Sasquatchy. Sasquatch yeah. and one quarter, yeah, <laughs> one quarter Indian American. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, we wished him well. But again, fuck Wayne. Yeah, yeah. What's up with that guy? Yeah. I think we're feuding. Yeah, we can't be on the same podcast. We're beefing. Um, you know, uh, Wayne made a commitment earlier in the week. Yes, I will be there. Uh, we 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 even accommodated. Uh, uh, people's schedules this weekend and uh you know yet no no wayne so yeah so and you know it's really the wrong time to do it because annual evaluations are coming up mm-hmm, and recency mm-hmm. i mean right or wrong recency always plays a heavy hand in the annual evaluation process oh yeah you know and paul and i perform the joint evaluations on uh on our subordinates and uh i just don't see that going well I smell a needs improvement in your future, yeah, Wayne. And perhaps a corrective action plan. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. So look forward to that, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, speaking of accommodating schedules, I was not here last week. Yeah, what the fuck, Paul? Well, not just because I'm beefing with Wayne, uh-huh. but also because I was pursuing my Infinity Gauntlet. So uh, apparently – Thanos doesn't need to, you know, go across the furthest reaches of the galaxy to find the Infinity Gauntlet. He just needs to run a couple of races. Well, I don't know. It was it was pretty fucking far. It felt like the furthest reaches of the galaxy. Because <laughs> <laughs> you went all the way to California, right? Well, and then I had to to run yeah. there. Did you have to run all the way to California? <laughs> no, no. But I felt like I ran to Arizona. <laughs> Um, so last weekend I was out in Anaheim, uh, doing the infinity gauntlet challenge. Um, and then some, so the, the infinity gauntlet challenge is a 10 K and a half marathon. 
Um, so 19.3 miles. And on top of that, I did an additional 5K because I wanted all the medals. All the medals needed to be mine. <laughs> um, so uh, the Affinity Gauntlet Challenge, like I said, was a 10K on Saturday, a half marathon on Sunday, uh, you know, through Disneyland to Disney's California Adventure, as well as the surrounding area in Anaheim. And I'm going to tell you, it wasn't easy, Aaron. It was not easy at all. Huh. Um, it was not a flat course, you know, and, 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 you know, as a runner, you know, the, the flat course is, is what I look for. This was not a flat course. It was off road. It was hilly. It was all over the place. Um, I mean, streets and overpasses and underpasses and bridges. You ran through Angel Stadium at one point, uh, like through the stadium. Um, with people cheering you on, uh, but it, it was a good time. I will say it was a very good time. They had uh, there was a good um, and if, if you if you're interested, there, there's a not you specifically because I know you're not, but if any of the <laughs> listeners are interested, um, I put a video on our YouTube channel. You can get to you can get to it through ideologyofmadness.com or I think it's just YouTube.com/ideologyofmadness. And um, there's like a good quarter mile of nothing but people in cosplay cheering you on. Oh, wow. Marvel characters. And that was a lot of fun. That sounds like fun. Uh, yeah. I mean, so I had a blast and um, I got my Infinity Gauntlet Challenge medal uh-huh. at the end of it, which is a giant Infinity Gauntlet. Um, and on the back of it, it has the, the space gem. And so I'd imagine this is this being the first of the Infinity Gauntlet challenges. I will have to do this damn thing six times to get all six gems. Oh dear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh dear. So so what does that mean, Paul? Uh, it means I'll probably be out there next year. Oh God. <laughs> it's a sickness, Paul. It I really mean, it's, is. It's it's it seems less like Paul running for the Infinity Gauntlet as perhaps Larflees running for the Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> I think you might be an orange lantern. Well, I will tell you, you know, I mean, so I was looking at the little metal and it has the space gem on the back and I'm looking at it. and I'm like, I wonder if next year's Infinity Gauntlet Challenge is going to be the exact same metal and they're just going to color the stone blue instead <laughs> and called it mine. <laughs> I'm like, because that would be some shit if I flew all the way out to California for the same metal, just with a different color stone on the back. Um, yeah. Yeah. You might but, ask to see what the metal looks like before you book your trip. <laughs> yeah. But it was – I will say, I had, a, I had a ton of fun. I was out there for the start of their Star Wars stuff um, at Disneyland, and all of this is on the YouTube channel. Uh, but the, the race was – you know, they had – and I say race, but, you know, it was a Disney race. So, you know, every mile there's something to take a picture with, whether it's take a picture with Captain America or Hawkeye or, you know, Black Widow or, you know um, – and you know, then there's all the cosplayers, and then they had people dressed in like vintage army wear, wear from like the 20s, and I mean, it was just constant photo opportunities and and, and fun stuff. So I'm really glad I did it, and uh, I have my Infinity Gauntlet, Aaron, and it's the and I have control over space now. I don't remember what the space gem does, but I'm gonna do it. Doesn't the does the space gem allow you to travel? Is it like the 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 teleportation? That's what I think it is. Yeah. I mean, that seems like, like what you it can, should be. You can travel anywhere in space. That's my thinking. Yeah. Isn't wasn't that the one that Pip the Troll had? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I think that's what it is. Yeah. So well, very exciting, Paul. Yes. And that would well, if I can use it to uh, to transport to the end of the race, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> that's called cheating, uh, Paul. Allows the user to exist in any or all locations, move any object anywhere throughout reality, and warp or rearrange space. That's what I thought. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah. Pip the Troll did have it. Yeah, for a time. But you know, right. he didn't wear it on on a on on a ring or on his forehead. He swallowed it, as I recall. Yes. And so at some point, he pooped the stone. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I don't know why he would have to swallow it, given it's an infinity stone. He could probably just transport it inside of him. But if I recall, he swallowed it. <laughs> I mean, I, I, honestly, I think that's what he did in the story. I think that for some reason he decided to swallow it. Now I want to read some Warlock and the Infinity Watch. <laughs> just to see if I'm right. I, that is my recollection that he swallowed. No, no, I'm sure you're right. Yeah. I just – some Tom Rainey art, and I think Jim oh, Starlin yeah. was oh. on uh, writing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a good book. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Old times, Paul. <laughs> back when you were reading Marvel books. Yeah, way back in the day. <laughs> way see. back in the day. <laughs> So let's talk about DC a little bit. Yeah, let's, let's talk uh, about a book I might read. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the ongoing saga of Dark Knight 3. I'm hoping we get to hear more about Superman's penis. Well, they, Tell I, me, Paul. I, I, tell me about the super cock. <laughs> I, I don't have a lot of conversation in regards to that subject today. But what I do have – Look at is, how you walked around that. I don't have much to talk about in that, in that line of conversation today. I mean just yeah. – well, I don't think there's new subject matter in regards pa to that. Now. Paul is very appropriate, and he's not going to say cock. <laughs> no. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> not if I plan to run for president one day. <laughs> hey, you know, you, you can always run in the Ben Carson platform, you know, where, you know, I, I, I used to do this, but I got over it, you know. And, you know, I, I, I really feel like, you know, Ben Carson... Is quoted as talking about trying to stab a friend, right? And I can, I can relate to this because I do plan on stabbing you at some point, Paul. Um, oh, know, okay. Well, I look forward to that. I plan on borrowing the Paul knife and just, you know, uh, stabbing you, stabbing you, stabbing you many, many times. <laughs> I was about to say that there, there's multiple. But, you know, uh, the, the guy's wearing the belt buckle and the, it breaks, you know, Ben Carson's knife. So I think it's important to note that Ben Carson is not just somebody who's going to stab you. He's also somebody who's going to stab you in the junk. You know, because of where he was, he was aiming. I mean, he he was he wasn't just looking. You know, damn you, and you stab the guy in the shoulder or the chest or something. Which are, by the way, the appropriate places to stab somebody. Yes. Um, if you, if you're going down belt level, you're just a jackass. <laughs> and an ineffective murderer. I should. Say. Yeah, I mean, just that is just I I I I am less concerned about the stabbing as the where he was stabbing. Also, open up your fucking eyes. That's what I gotta say. I mean, he's got the sleepy eyes thing going on. I don't want to turn this into the to the Aaron and Polly's political podcast, but open up your fucking eyes. I need a president that's gonna look around. <laughs> I, I, I think it's a pretty safe bet that Ben Carson's not going to be your president there. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I just, I just, I need that on record. Number one, okay. don't stab me in the junk, <laughs> <laughs> and open up your goddamn eyes. And maybe that was why he stabbed him in the junk. Maybe it was unintentional. Exactly. Maybe he couldn't see where he was stabbing <laughs> because he's got he's so squinty. That's right, he's so squinty. Well, it was, it's very sunny outside. Yeah, well, he, he just seems so sleepy. I'm like, wake the fuck up! You're running for president. <laughs> I mean, are, are we keeping you up, Ben Carson? We, we might be. Yeah, I, the man needs some more caffeine. I also need more Jim Beam in this coffee, by the yeah, way, apparently. this morning, because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little rough this morning. I am on vacation. Did I mention that, Paul? Oh, you did not mention that. I am that. on vacation. I don't go back to work until after Thanksgiving. So, oh, you lucky bastard. Yeah, so I've been drunk since I left the office. <laughs> <laughs> Solid. Yeah. <laughs> well, Paul, I have been on a whiskey drip since I left the office. 
you know, I've got an IV, I got an IV going in, and it's just mainlining whiskey to okay, me. Okay, well, that's good. Is it good whiskey, and or I, is it the government whiskey? Oh, no, it's it's the good stuff. It's the good stuff. I, I am on a whiskey drip for the next 10 days. Well, I, I so. look forward to podcasting with you next Saturday, then. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'll be all hopped up on the trip to fans, so, uh, you know. And the roofies. Yeah, and the, <laughs> well, 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 yeah. I mean, that just kind of goes without saying, Paul. It is Thanksgiving, for Christ's sake. Yeah. What the fuck? Pull your head you out of your ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, you got the family over. Of course, you're gonna roofie the cousins. It has really taken a dark turn this really morning. <laughs> uh, okay, so we were gonna talk about some Dark Knight Three. I'd like to point out that Superman penis is what brought us here. <laughs> This is what Frank Miller does it to is, us. But, but and, you know, and morning bourbon. Who the hell knows if Frank Miller's even writing the book? Uh, uh, so the the news is that Frank Miller had an interview earlier this week. And in his interview, he said something along the lines of, um, I really look forward to reading what Brian's doing. You know, he's, uh, you know, he's a great writer. And, uh, you know, him writing this book just makes me want to – makes me really just want to do my own. So I think I'm going to come back for Dark Knight 4 and do that one by myself. And everyone's like, wait, I thought you were co-writing this one. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, his, his comments, you know, I, you know, there's been a lot of commentary on it. And what I honestly think it is, it's Frank Miller being humble sure. you know, in, in, in a rare bout of humility, which, you know, being as unhealthy as he is, will probably do that to a guy. I, I think he's just being humble and, you know, giving, you know, giving Brian Azzarello the, the lion's share of the attention on this book and, you know, more power to him. But everyone's freaking out like Frank Miller's not writing this book at all. And uh, I, I don't think that's true. I think Frank Miller does have a, a hand in it, but there's been quite a bit of – Yeah, I, I, get, I gather from all of that that you know he probably was there for the story pitch yeah. you know, and to, to build the story. And just kind of like on TV shows, you'll have one guy think up what the story is going to be and you know, hear the beats. And then you've got another guy who's going to flesh it all out and make it something that you can actually do something exactly. with. Exactly. Right? I'm sure he's like, yeah. I want Carrie Kelly to be Batman in this. And, you know, Brian Azrael's like, okay. And, you know, Brian Azrael says, you know, gives him a call like, hey, how would you feel if we did this? And Miller's like, sure, whatever. You know, I think I, right. I think that's their collaboration. I don't think they're together yeah. in a room shooting emails back and forth. Right. I do think it's Brian Azarello's show and Andy Kubert on art. Um, or I should say Adam Kubert, I think, on art. But do, do we know what's wrong with him? Do we know what's wrong with Frank Miller? Do we know what his his diagnosis is? I mean, I keep hearing he's in poor health, but I don't I don't know what the diagnosis is. To be honest, is. I don't. I don't. And you know, yeah. I, everyone says you know, given his health, but no idea. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's what. Yeah, it's it's like what everyone says. Well, you know, he's in poor health, and and then they they continue on with the story. But at no point does anyone say what it is. I mean, I, I'm. It almost sounds like he's you know terminal. You know, like we don't expect to have much more time with yeah, Frank. But Miller. he's talking about doing Dark Knight Four, so he's going huh. to be around a while. Well, good for yeah. him. So I, I think Dark him. Knight Three comes out next week, Aaron. Does it yeah. really? Oh shit! Yeah, that that that, that will be you know, great. I, when you say next week, are you talking about this yeah, Wednesday? The, this the is like before, before Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving. I believe so. Something I, to be I mean, thankful I'll for. I'll double check before the end of the show, but uh, yeah, yeah I, I do believe, and I I will tell you, despite you know, despite Miller's output in recent years, I'm quite uh -huh. excited for it. I'm quite excited for. I think I think I've bought into the hype engine, and uh, given the fact that Miller's not really doing dick on it, apparently. Well, he did a little dick on it. <laughs> he did a little. He did a little. Super <laughs> dick. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I really am. Yeah, no, I, I, I you know, I loved uh, the original Dark Knight book. I like um, Dark Knight too. I know most people don't. Ah, boy. But... 
It's a rough book. It's not great. That's a rough book. I do like it. And yes, it does come yeah. out this coming week. Dark Knight Three: The Master Race. It is a five ninety nine book. Yeah, but you know it's going to be additional yeah, pages, right? You know you're right? getting a big chunky book for that. You know, yeah. DC's not really yeah. the, the the six dollar book company unless they give you bang for your buck. Yeah, yeah. DC doesn't tend to be. I'm going to binge you over the counter. No, don't get me wrong. They <laughs> as are, Marvel is, but they're, they're oh no, no, right? The, I find. In, yeah, in, in, in yeah. Putting out a five or six dollar book. Yeah, no, I I agree. I I, I agree. Well, I'm looking forward to that. I I, I can't wait to talk about that. Yeah, next me too. Week. Well, you know what else I'm looking yeah. forward to talking about? Hopefully it'll happen. What, what's this that, Justice Paul? League Dark movie. So, you know, Justice League Dark was the the, the, the supernatural Justice League uh, book that came out with the New 52, uh, kind of incorporated right. some um, Vertigo characters into the DC universe. And, yeah, you had your Constantine. Yeah, they've been talking about you it had your, You had your Zaytana in there. Yeah, you had, yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so they've been talking about the movie for a while, and Guillermo del Toro was involved in it for quite a while, but dropped out. I think it was just, you know, that. And I don't know who to blame for this. I don't know if Guillermo del Toro just has really bad luck, or <laughs> if he just, um, you know, doesn't follow through. I, I honestly don't know. But he, you know, he gets involved in a lot of projects that never really see the light of day, or see the light of day without right. him, like The Hobbit. And right. um, this seems to be one of those. So after he dropped out of it, uh, now Warner Brothers has apparently a short list of, of potential directors to take over the helm, including uh, Evil Dead's uh, Fede Alvarez, who did who directed the remake of Evil Dead, um, which I will tell you was really damn good. Uh, so mm. I, if they get him, I would be very excited about that. I think he has a, a keen eye, and it looks like they're looking at horror directors, which would. Yeah, I was going to say that's nice that they're that they're looking at folks who who work on the dark side. And they have a short list in regards you know. to the cast as well. Um, ben Mendelsohn is uh, looked to be playing uh, Anton Arcane. Um, I have no idea who that is on either side. Uh, Anton Arcane <laughs> is Arcane from Swamp Thing. Oh, okay. And so Ben Mendelsohn, he's been in a bunch of uh, like TV shows and, and movies. I don't know that I've seen much with him, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I, I honestly don't know that I've seen. He was in Dark Knight Rises. I know that, but I don't. I don't think he was much of a, a starring role in that. Hmm. Um, and he was also in that Exodus Gods and Kings movie that no one saw. Correct. I have not seen that. Um, he was also in Killing Them Softly, which apparently people like. Um, I've not seen that. Yeah, he's been in a number <laughs> of films, but. Um, so that's the least exciting of the casting options, but the one that so I, I do want to talk about. These are not fully confirmed, written down, you know, like signature on paper uh, that I know of casting decisions. These are just uh, the current rumored um, shortlist of, of characters. Uh, John Constantine, uh, Warner Brothers wants Colin Farrell. You know, I, I know that they're not into bringing the the TV talent up to their to the movies. Oh wow! I really think they ought to use the guy from uh, Arrow in his own yeah, show. Yeah, but then you run into the the. Con- I know, and I know. I, I just I like Colin Farrell. I'm a, I'm a big Colin Farrell fan, so yeah. I know you're not. No, I, I I I think it's fine. I just I like the other guy. It's just like I like Stephen Amell as Arrow, and and I like uh, that other guy as Grant Flash. Gustin. I forget his name on you. Thank you, Grant Gustin as Flash. And it's going to be weird seeing other guys playing those characters when when you know. Stephen Amell and Grant Gustin are owning those characters. But, all right, I'll get over it. Colin Farrell and John Constantine, Ewan McGregor for Jason Blood, which I think is also a fantastic choice. Um, Monica Bellucci for Madame Xanadu. And Ron- I don't know who that is. Monica Bellucci? Yeah, who is um, that? She was in, she was in uh, a James Bond. She was in, was it Skyfall? Um, that she- Who'd she play in Skyfall? She's the hot Italian. 
Oh, okay. Um, she was in the Matrix Reloaded, the the long, you know, um, long straight <laughs> black hair. Uh, she was. I, I have really she played Mary Magdalene. Okay, okay. It's been a yeah. while, but okay. Huh. So I think she would be a good choice, and the and the other one is of, is Ron Perlman as Swamp Thing, who uh, apparently was the choice for when Guillermo del Toro was going to be doing it as well. Well, Guillermo loves him some Perlman, so, so. I think this is a good cast, and I you know I, I hope it happens. Sounds like they're really pushing for it. So yeah, well I'd love to. I, I think I, I, strangely enough, I think I'm a little bit more excited about a Justice League Dark movie than I am a Justice League movie. Well, apparently filming has begun on the Wonder Woman movie, but and apparently it's Wonder Woman versus Ares. Is what I hear. I saw, yeah. I saw that Nicole Kidman was going to be in it too. Yeah, and they're se- they're, they're speculating that she's going to play uh, Hippolyta. Okay. I'd be okay. Her mum, her mum. <laughs> yeah, and I, I can I can live with that. Uh, um, I, I just I don't, there's part of me that feels like it's a mistake to pit her against uh, Greek gods. You know, I, I think that I think that I think that the, having him as the big bad is maybe a mistake. Yeah, but we'll see. I find that I'm, and the reason why I say that is I just find that I'm less interested in those types of stories with Wonder Woman. Yeah, yeah, you know? I, mean, I, I agree. I think you know you bring her Wonder Woman for me works better when you bring her more down to earth. Correct. But but we'll see. Yeah. But you know if they follow, I, I mean the Wonder Woman animated feature that they made with uh, uh, Felicity, whatever the hell that actress's name is, Gary Russell. Um, Thank you. Um, was fantastic. I yeah. love that animated movie. And so, you know, if they follow some of those some of those cues, I think you're gonna you're gonna have a good Wonder Woman movie. Fingers crossed. Yeah. So, in other movie news, Aaron, as someone who Sir? does watch The Walking Dead, you probably want to tune in this Sunday for what is apparently a sneak peek at War for the Planet of the Apes. Seriously, they've got film ready for that. Recently. They've oh, been wow. filming for a while on that one, I think. I guess I hadn't been paying attention. I, I when is it, is it is it a May release? I think so. Yeah, I think it's next year. Oh, oh, oh. kind of you excited. Did see the last one, right? Oh it yeah, was fantastic. Yeah. It was, it was fantastic. Oh, oh wait, the first one by like leaps well, and What what I like about it is what I liked about the second movie is that it was completely different than the first movie. Yes. You know, it, the first movie was really kind of a, a an intimate uh, uh, movie about relationships beyond also being about, you know, uh, a, a subjugated people, but also about, you know, a, a father son relationship, you know, the, the eternal story of the father son nature between man and ape. <laughs> uh, and, and I do, I really, I, you know, and it was a father son relationship between, you know, John Lithgow's character and, uh, and, uh, uh James Franco. Um, I mean, I just, really enjoyed that movie because it, it, it told a different kind of story, something you wouldn't expect within a planet of the apes. And then the second movie comes out and it's completely different than the first. Just, I love, I, I love the, I, I love when sequels advance story versus just retell the same kind of story, you know? Um, and, 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 and I dug that and I, the, the, what these guys have been doing with the planet of the apes movies is just fantastic. So yeah, pretty excited about war for the planet of the apes, same, you know, same creative team behind war as was behind, was it battle? That's right. Uh, it was Dawn and I forget what I the second like was one was battle called. For the planet of the apes. You may be right. You may be right. Regardless, it was fantastic. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm very much looking forward to, uh, to the, to the next one. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe if there's going to be a war for the Planet of the Apes and they're showing it during The Walking Dead, maybe there'll be zombie apes. Ooh. That Wouldn't that be cool? Brains, you know. Brains. <laughs> <laughs> so the movie that 
that we are so. obviously very much looking forward to, um, you know, in the in the coming month is Creed. But other than Creed, <laughs> there's also that little Star Wars. I, I am strangely excited for Creed. I really am. I I, I, I am totally down for going to go see that movie. I, I think I, I think it looks really it good. It looks surprisingly yeah. good because I don't. I'm not a yeah. big Michael B. Jordan guy. I know we've talked about this before on the show. I just not seen him in anything that I really cared for. You got to you got to watch you some Friday Night Lights, I man. I know. I know. Yeah, but you know you, you can't really top uh, Varsity Blues when it comes to college football movies. So I just have. I, I, I just don't know. <laughs> <sighs> you know your love for uh, Dawson <laughs> knows no, no bounds. bounds. Let me tell you. No <laughs> bounds. They had Pacey in the movie too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jesus, Scott Con. Actually, I like Scott Con. Yeah, because of that movie. But in addition to Creed, obviously, we've got a couple of other films. We've got Victor Frankenstein, Krampus, which I'm looking very much forward to, and uh, that little Star Wars film coming out on December 18th. Yeah, it was. I have not. Well, um, you know, there's going to be plenty of screens. Yeah, there are going to be plenty. You're going to watch it on DVD. That's what's going to happen. There will. (laughs) You know, if I could get it on Blu-ray, that would be great. DVD. (laughs) You're going to watch the uh, Indonesian bootleg. That that's how you're going to watch it. But I I I am taking the day off. Oh, good. So so I I will see it uh, that Friday. I look forward to chatting about it. Yeah. Well, plenty of Star Wars in the comic shops to to get you psyched for it, uh, including the new issue of Star Wars Canon. Yes. Uh, you told me you, you have started watching Rebels this season. Yeah, yeah, I've watched the first two episodes of Rebels uh, for this season. I watched them this week. And man, I, I got to tell you, the what I find so interesting about Rebels, very often, not every episode, but very often I find that I enjoy them more than I enjoyed almost any moment in the prequels. Uh, the scene where uh, they are they're they're on that that sandwalker thing, you know, out in the desert with the with the other with the clone troopers, um, and they're going through the the sandstorm. It's very much like a like a sub hunt, right? You know, because you've, you you can't see what's going on, and you've got uh, you know, Kanan is using the force to kind of guide them right into a tactical position. And it, it just reminds me of like some of the best submarine movies where you've got the guy on sonar really, you know, kind of guiding the, the, the submarine to where they need to be, where they need to position themselves. Uh, so you've got that, those great moments. And then you've got uh, uh, the other uh, guy who suddenly name I, I, I can't remember. I can't remember names. Are we talking uh, about the, from the, the cat, from the Rebels the, cast or the uh, clone? Yeah, the Rebels cast, the kid. Oh, uh, um, Ezra. Uh, thank you. Ezra is up there, you know, manning the gun, and he's also using the force. You know, I mean, just it was great, and you know, he he navigates them in between, at dead center of all the bad yeah, guys. Really you know, it was a, I mean, it was it was well animated, it was well written, it was well acted. There was so much tension, and the whole time, like this is just so cool. Well, and I, what I appreciate and, about that scene is that they did not go. For the the the, the kids show bang boom of it, they they went right. for us like you said like a submarine movie like a slow pace. It's you know you can't see yeah. much. You know it's there's not a lot of yeah. bang action. It's it's about the tension in that scene. Yeah, no, I, I find that you know despite the fact that it's on you know Disney XD, it is written at a rather mature level. You know, and, and, and you know, I, I guess that's because, you know, guys in their 30s and 40s are, are watching this show, too. 
Um, you know, there's the, certainly the animation style is kid friendly, but I just I thoroughly enjoy that it is written on a couple of different levels so that everybody can enjoy it. And I mean, seriously, the pacing is consistently better than much of what you saw in the prequels. Um, these guys really know what they're doing. They've really got a strong handle on these characters and and what looks cool, you know. And and I mean, it's highly stylized, but there's a lot of meat there. It's not just candy. I just I, I love the show. And I know I've told you this a million times, but you really need to give Clone Wars another try. Yeah, you know, now that you guys have told me how to watch it, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I will do that when I've got some time. I've, and and you know, once I get through Jessica Jones, Paul. Yeah. Well, the bright side of things, <laughs> you know, they're they're only twenty minute episodes. Once you take out the commercials, right. and so you really right. can watch quite a few of them. Uh, the only thing that's hard for me about watching Rebels is that it is on D- Disney XD, and even though I'm fast forward through the commercials you still get subjugated with the uh with the images of children's commercials oh, yeah. and, like, and bang, I, bang bang you know like bright colors and mustaches yeah. and cats yeah <laughs> i mean yeah it's it's just nuts and i got to say i i think that that if i was a parent i would find all of that highly objectionable yeah. uh the way they the way they market to children but uh you know i i, I there's a part of me that would love to wait and and just catch it in streaming or dvd or something but you know the show's too good to wait for yeah, so I agree. But let's talk yeah. a little bit of, I mean, you know, we, we, you know, bridging the gap between the Clone Wars and Rebels is this Star Wars. I'm sorry, were we Bridger the Gap? <laughs> Bridger the Gap <laughs> uh, between uh, Rebels and Clone Wars is this Star Wars Kanan uh, series mm-hmm. by um, Greg Wiseman, who, who is also one of the head writers on Star Wars Rebels. And, uh, you know, in this series you know very much is about Kanan's young years and th- this uh, second arc called First Blood steps back even further than the uh, the first arc the first arc was at the end of the clone wars this is basically Kanan's first interaction with his master at Belaba Belaba yeah and so you know we you know, I don't want to spend you know I, I could say very much about the art you know the Pepe Larraz has been the artist since the beginning of this book holy shit the art's I, I could, good I could go on and on his art is so fantastic and it makes me sad yeah. that we don't see more rebels mm-hmm. because I would love to see the rebels um, you know for more than a page per issue but yeah. I, I am enjoying the story that we are seeing of Kanan's youth. Yeah, and I, I'm even enjoying the the little cameos you're getting of Obi Wan, you know, in the background because it's fun to it's fun to see him be drawn uh, in something doing something cool in his younger years, yeah. you know. Uh, I I really enjoyed this book. I enjoyed kind of the redemption story that occurs with his master because you know she was under doubt previously. Under doubt is you know which. You know, did she sacrifice her team? You know, can she do the job? Uh, you know, so I enjoy that. I, I, I like how much Kanan kind of instructs her at one point. You know, uh, I, 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 I got a kick out of that. But I got to call bullshit on something, okay. Paul, because there are there, there's a rule set somewhere in the Jedi Temple. And I just feel like, you know, it, it seems like, uh, well, you know, you're, you're too old to train as a as a Jedi, you know, uh, because, you know, here you are, you know, six, seven years old and you're you're, you're too old to chain, train for a Jedi, but you're you're not old enough to be a Padawan. <laughs> I mean, that that conversation comes up in the book that, oh, you're really not old enough to be a Padawan, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, I need to see these these rules. You need to be. <laughs> 
seven and a half. This tall. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like trying to get you know, it's trying to ride Space Mountain, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you well, know, the thing about this book, and you know, more so than the prequel trilogy, is it does show how fallible um, the Jedi are, and you get a lot of right. that in the in the Clone Wars series as well. Um, you know, the prequels didn't really go into that very much. You know, the the, the Jedi were just these. That, you know, that's a Lucas choice. You know, that they were they were told to be very cold and you know non feeling. But you know that that's not the character. That those are not the Jedi that we see in the book. You know, Balaba right. is. You know, she's she's struggling with doubt, and you know the the kids are you know telling rumors about her and things like that. So right. I'm enjoying seeing that side of things. Yeah, no, I I I enjoy that everybody's not a robot, right? Yeah, so uh, a, a metaphorical robot, an emotional yeah, robot. They're robots. Um, people yeah, robots. <laughs> droids, Paul. They're, they're droids. droids. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it's a great book. I mean, you really just can't beat the artwork. And I I really feel like uh, was this George Wiseman? Right. See the fellow writing this book, Greg Wiseman, uh, does a, a remarkable job voicing the okay. cast. Did you ever watch Young Justice? You know. Greg yeah. Wiseman was also responsible for Young Justice, the the animated series. Yeah. Really, I, I, he I, he does a remarkable job scripting he, this. Um, he was very heavily involved in. Uh, I know you probably didn't watch the Gargoyles series from Disney, but you know everything yeah, no, he gets involved didn't. in seems to have this cult following. Whether it was uh, huh. Young Justice or the Spectacular Spider-Man series before it got canceled to become Ultimate Spider-Man, um, huh. he, he he very much has a keen eye for for telling stories that appeal to kids and adults. Well, it was it was really very good, really very good, and also really very good. Star Wars number twelve. Yes. Um, you know, with the Stuart. Um, speaking of art, Stuart Amon, and I am so freaking sad. Is this is this his last book? Yeah, I think so. I so. mean, I don't know who's drawing uh, issue thirteen, but I know, like I said, Mike Mayhew is taking over the art chores on the uh, the book regularly, and I'm just I'm very sad because I got so excited when oh, yeah. Stuart Amon took over the art, and he was really only on for one arc. Yeah. It, it's a gorgeous book, and we get to see Chewbacca throw somebody off the roof. And we get to see Chewbacca with two lightsabers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of cool. Yeah, a, a gorgeous book. Uh, you know, a good good end to the arc. But you know, something struck me, and we talked about this a little bit um, previously when we we talked about the the first arc of this book, which is how limited it is. Like, I don't know what mm-hmm. the shelf life of this book is. You know, at what point right. do they say? Okay, there's really no more space to mine here between these two movies. Like, at some point, we obviously need to see the rebels in in retreat, you know, being pushed back to Hoth uh, before. Yeah, back. but I don't know how how much they how much filler and how many times we can show Luke not meeting Darth Vader or not meeting Boba Fett or you know these these things where they just avoid telling because it would break the continuity. Yeah, at some point you've got to tell the story between Empire and Return of the Jedi, but how interesting is that when you can't tell a Han story? Yeah. Well, you I mean, know? I enjoy I mean, I, I, Empire very much so, but that's not continuity anymore. Right. Well, but, you know, uh, I think a lot of what people enjoy about Star Wars is Han Solo. And I, I think that you have a you have as narrow as this space is for story, you know, uh, between Star Wars and Empire, you even have a narrower space between Empire and Return of the Jedi. You're telling me Dash Rendar is not as interesting as Han Solo? I, that is exactly what I'm telling you. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. But he's the captain of the Outlander here. Uh huh. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's like the You're, Millennium the, Falcon, but it's not. Okay. I, I know words are coming out of your mouth, but it's all clicks and whistles, Paul. <laughs> 
Well, Star Wars 12 and Darth Vader number 12 both concluded their the second arcs of those series to lead up to – I shouldn't even say lead up to. They just concluded so that Vader down, uh, the crossover, the six-part crossover. Vader down? Down <laughs> has begun this week from uh, Jason Aaron and Mike Diodato did the, the first book. This is Vader down number one. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I know I have expressed dislike of Mike Diodato's art before. Uh-huh. And then he turned it around for, you know, he turned it around. You know, I've read some recent Mike Diodato work that I thought the art was, was very well done on. I don't feel like this was one of those books. Really? You didn't like the artwork? His his space art just didn't work for me. Really? Yeah. Wow. I, I'm surprised. I thought I thought he just killed really? it. Yeah, his space art did not yeah. work for me. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised to hear you say that. I thought I thought this book was awfully badass. Oh. I, 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 I enjoyed this book. A lot. I mean, I'm not saying I hated it. It's just, you know, he uh-huh. has a very scratchy style, and in space, it just looks like a lot of lines. And I, I yeah. don't know, it just didn't appeal to me, uh, the the art. No, the story, I thought, was, was fine. I mean, there's not much to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's a space battle, and then Vader crashes down. That's basically what happens in Vader Down Part 1. Yeah. But, well, but, I mean... <laughs> He he's hunting for Luke Skywalker. He gets a tip that Luke Skywalker is on this planet. And he's like, well, why would he why would he be there? There's nothing there, right? And so uh, uh, he emerges from hyperspace and runs into three Rebel squadrons currently in, in maneuvers. And you know, of course, the Rebs are like, yeah, we can get this guy. And you know, of course, you know, Vader is getting you know messages from his his. Uh, uh, subordinate who is not on site and and she's like you you got to get out of there that's three rebel squadrons and she's like he they they are the ones who should be running from me and you know he he takes out an entire squadron and is about to take out the remainder when Luke Skywalker engages him in his X-wing and Luke realizes he can't shoot him down but what he can do is kamikaze him like a bitch which was kind of cool. <laughs> it <was. laughs> and it just startles the hell out of Vader because he realizes at the last moment what's happening. Uh, I, I thought it was cool. I enjoyed it. And I really did enjoy the art. I thought the, the art had a, had a very nice cinematic quality to it. Uh, I will tell you, I like Mike Diodato. I don't think that this this artwork is nearly as efficient as the Pepe Larraz or Stordamonen artwork in in the other the prior two books we discussed. But I, you know, particularly the in cockpit close-ups of the of you know the uh, X-wing squads were great. Yeah, I, I, think I just love those. It was more the outer space, you know, the spaceship shooting, the spaceship shooting each other that I didn't care. Yeah, I, and I still liked it. I mean, I, I, again, I don't think it was as good, but there is this rather fantastic two-page spread of, you know, they're, they're like, well, you know, we got him, you know, as Vader's TIE fighter is going down. And he says, yeah, but at, at, at a substantial cost. And you cuts back and you just see all these bodies floating in space from uh, the X-Wings that Vader shot down. Yeah. You know, and I mean, it's it's kind of a gruesome page, uh, but really well done. But I love uh, I love the finale of the book, the last page where um, the rebels have surrounded Vader, hundreds of rebels. You're and, right. You know, yeah, say, ground, ground forces. Are surrounded. And Vader says, all I am surrounded by is fear and dead men. I thought this book did a fantastic job of painting Vader as a badass. Yeah, the Vader that we've been wanting to you know? see. 
Yeah, I mean, not not broken Vader, not wimpy Anakin Vader, but, you know, the Vader who is a Dark Lord of the Sith. I am a Jedi as my father, you know? I mean, he is, uh, he, he is so dark and mean, and uh, I, I just, I, this is the Vader I've been wanting to see. I agree, but he's, it's, it's a delicate balance, because, you know, you found issue with seeing things in the book before they were introduced in the trilogy, right? So yeah, the AT-ATs that didn't get introduced until yes. you know episode two or episode five, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I, I had a little concern in that book with Vader being such a badass in the the Tie Fighter battle, in the space battle, yeah, in him using the Force to deflect um, cannons and, and, yeah. and lasers, and I was like, yeah, ah, wow. I mean, it's badass. But he never did that in the movie. Right. Well, and the, the while I get that uh, Jedi's can levitate things and, you know, you know, Yoda tells us that that, you know, weight and size are, are, are really not a concept. Right. That it doesn't matter how big it is. You know, it's your it's your force of will. Uh, you know, it is your belief that you can do it that accomplishes that. Well, the fact that that Vader hurls, uh, you know, giant boulders from the ground uh, up at the approaching Y wings, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, we did not see that in any of the films, right? Uh, so yeah, I, I get that. I, I guess that I have been beaten with enough of that. Uh, over the course of the 12 issues of Star Wars that I'm, I've just, I, I think they just finally, you know, knocked down my barriers on that yeah, part I mean, because I just, I just embraced you it. You get lost in the badassness yeah. of it. I, and I did. I totally did. I totally got lost in the badassery. But, you know, the concern the there becomes overpowering the character. You know. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just one of the things that I was I was kind of interested in is, you know, people draw Darth Vader a number of different ways. Um, you know, some people draw him very, uh, very portrait like from the film where he's big guy in a dark suit. Right. You know, because, uh, uh, you know, he he's just he's just a gigantic. You know, David Prowse is just a gigantic guy. Uh, and then you have people who, like, as in on the cover of this book, who draw him in a very lean fashion, very much like, you know, the actor that played Anakin in the prequels. Right. Um, and then you get folks who draw him. And I see this a lot in Japanese art where they draw him very angular. And Diodato does some of that as well, uh, where there there are these you know very uh, hard lines in the Vader mask, you know, and they're 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 very you know forty five degree angles kinds of kinds of thing in the way that the cheeks are structured and whatnot. Um, and so I, it, it was interesting to me that Diodato kind of employed a couple of different styles in the way he depicted Vader throughout the, the course of this book, and. It really worked, and I think the reason why it worked for me is that the coloring, and what I want to say is the lighting, right? Um, it felt like there was a, a, a lighting technician, you know, uh, lighting the scenes as in a movie on this book because the lighting is so dramatic, particularly as Vader is monologuing uh, in the TIE Fighter scenes. Uh, you know, and, and that's something that I find really interesting about this book. Vader monologues a lot. You know, he's he's either talking to himself or he's talking to, you know, he's he is responding to someone, but it's not like he's talking to them. It's like he, he's convincing himself of this of the situation. Like, you know, all I see, I, I am surrounded by fear and dead men. I, th I did not feel like that was for them. No, it's not like I felt I mean, like that was for him yelling. It. He was just saying, it. right, 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's his it's his own little internal monologue. I think in the past you would have seen that as a thought bubble. Right. But we don't do thought bubbles anymore. Um, you know, I, I, I but I really do enjoy his voice. Uh, I, and I think this is something that's just consistent across all the Star Wars books right now. The voices of these characters are either very consistent with what we know about the characters or it's better. Um, I, I think in a lot of respects, it's it's not really the Vader that we've been given in the past. It's the Vader we've always wanted, right? Um, you know, because you know, in the in the original four in the original three films, episodes four through six, Vader is more menacing than he is a badass, right? I mean, because they didn't have the technology, they didn't have the wire, the, the wire kung fu stuff, uh, they didn't have the CGI, so. It was very much this great big guy in a black suit, you know, doing a little bit of sword work. I mean, his the episode four through six Vader really doesn't do much amazing lightsaber fighting, right? It's not until you get in the prequels that you see the really cool lightsaber fighting. Um, and I think that what I respond to is like, this is the Vader that I always knew was there that I always wanted, but we never got to see voice. And I think that's why I respond to this so well. I think that's why I respond to the Kieran Gillen books so well. Uh, you know, from from the the, the Kieran uh, Gillen writes the Darth Vader book, uh, the monthly book. And I mean, I just, I love those books. You know, I've wanted to cool Darth Vader for a while, and I finally got him. Yeah, agreed. And I, you know, that's, so. it's the Darth Vader, like you said, the one that we've always kind of wanted and imagined was there, but never really saw. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, so Vader Down it is recommended. Um, you don't have to have been reading uh, Star Wars or Darth Vader. Um, if anything, I'd say the, the book that helps to read the most is Darth Vader. Like you, I don't think you're going to get yeah. much um, of the, the the regular Star Wars book, even though they're both written by Jason Aaron. I think this is more informed by Karen Gillan's Darth Vader book. Yeah, but not not mandatory reading. You could come into this completely yeah, cold the only real, and know exactly where exactly, you are. The only real character that you might be a little confused with is, uh, I think it's Doctor Afra, the uh, Vader's accomplice. Yeah, but even then. Well, and and her supporting characters, you know, uh, right? Who are you know the murder droids? <laughs> who, who are just like <laughs> the, the, my favorite in new characters? In, in, oh in, God, uh, they're the great. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna need action figures of those guys. Yeah. By the way. <laughs> Torture action. Um, yeah. So let's talk about uh, you know a, a non-Star Wars, non-Marvel, non-DC Wait, book. They make non-Star Wars books. Well, Marvel doesn't, but oh. uh, <laughs> but Image does, and Image has the new Miller World book um, from Mark Miller, yeah. uh, artist Raphael Albuquerque. Uh huh. Um, this new book, which sounds like a made-up name, <laughs> I'm just I'm saying. Sure <laughs> so Huck is is the new book. Um, from, from these guys and uh it's it's what i found in recent miller works at least outside of kick-ass which i haven't read is that he seems to be maturing mm-hmm. and i'm liking it i don't know that i'm liking this book but i'm liking miller's maturity i liked this book a lot um and i would agree i mean i i feel like there's i think this book has a lot in common with starlight yeah um, you know, Starlight was his very his uh, sort of send up to Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers. Um, you know, the pulp stuff, not the more you know recent uh, you know uh, adaptations of it. But um, I I think that this has something in common with Starlight in that it's a bright book. 
It is an optimistic book. It's a kind book. That's one of the things I just found so interesting about this book uh, is that the central character is kind um, and makes a point of being kind. Um, And he's surrounded by a town that appreciates his kindness and tries to protect him, right? Um, I... I really enjoyed this book. It was it was such an interesting uh, choice. Um, you know, the, the concept of the book is that this baby boy is left on uh, a, a doorstep in town with a card that says, please love him. And the town adopts him. And he grows into a man who, you know, he, he is highly perceptive. And he apparently has some super strength and perhaps some invulnerability. And he's a nice guy. And so every day he tries to do something nice. He tries to help people out. And then he keeps a list of, you know, here are the things I could do today. Which one am I going to do? Um, and he does things like if you lost something, he'll go and find it for you. So uh, the book opens up with a new person living in town who has lost her gold necklace. And so he seeks it out. How he finds it, we don't know. We, we assume he's got some sort of, you know, uh, extraception, extra sensory perception or something. But uh, he finds it, returns it to her. And that's where she's kind of our end to figuring out who he is because her neighbor is explaining, you know, we don't talk to outsiders about Huck. Huck is a blessing to this town. And we can't let uh, let outsiders know, you know what he does for us and what he can do. And, you know, he does things like he'll go and mow all the old people's uh, yards. He'll go and... Uh, take everyone's uh, trash out. Take Yeah, take everyone's... Haul everyone's trash out. I mean, he just, you know, he, he does those kinds of things. He'll, he'll uh, put $58 in a library book so that some random person will find it, right? I mean, it's just... He's just a kind guy. The book makes its turn when he's watching the news and ripped from the headlines... Uh, we see a terrorist group in Africa has abducted 200 schoolgirls uh, to force them into becoming, you know, wives of, of their terrorists. And he just decides to hop on a plane, go to Africa, and set stuff right. And in in a in a situation where over the last week we have had a number of terror attacks across Europe, I was a little sensitive to it when I was reading that. Um, you know, it's, it, I mean, you know, since students for, for I mean, God, since the nineties, but especially since, uh, September 11th, you know, we've all been pretty darn sensitive to, uh, terror storylines, but this week more, so, this week, you know, after what happened in Paris, what happened in Mali, uh, you know, it's just, it's just been, you know, a terrible month. Um, it was very satisfying, <laughs> To see him punching out terrorists. I mean, it, it was. And there was even this moment where he comes to the one terrorist wearing glasses. And he tells the terrorist, could you take those off? And the guy's like, what? <laughs> could, could Your glasses, could you take them off? And the guy won't take them off. So he just very gently pulls the glasses off of him before he clocks him. Because he's a nice yeah. guy. <laughs> I, I'm not going to hit somebody with glasses. <laughs> but, you know, he, he frees all these girls. And, you know, he knows that they're going to be terrified. And so he brings a bag of candy with him. And he's like, hey, I brought you all some candy. Can I get you all to do me a favor? And the favor is don't tell people that I did this. And so as the girls are being interviewed uh, by the media, you know, they're, they're like, we'd love to tell you, but we made a promise. And, you know, the people back home are like, you know, that was Huck. (laughs) Well, somebody in town tells the media that it's Huck. 
And the next, the, the, the book ends with Huck, which is illustrated in a very Norman Rockwell style. I mean, I don't know if oh, you yeah, picked absolutely. up that, but very wholesome. The book ends with the media out on his front porch and him just shocked by it. Um, I was charmed by this book. I, I, I really, I, it is hard for me because, and maybe it's just because of, of his, you know, previous persona. And I, and I agree. I, I feel like, you know, Mark Miller is, uh, is maturing a bit in his, in his comic work and maybe even in his online personality. But I used to just think this guy was the biggest jackass. Um, and so it's hard for me to enjoy, uh, Miller books because of his, you know, his personality that I've experienced in the past, but I loved Starlight for much the same reason. I, I was charmed by that book. I'm charmed by this one. He, Mark Miller has, is, is really touching a nerve that I really respond to. It's a, it's a character, a type of character, the type of book that we haven't seen in a while. You know, it's, it's very much like yeah. a, a Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale type, uh, Superman T- Book, Absolutely, you know, Superboy book, that type of thing. Because Huck is not—I yeah. mean, he, he not only is he a genuinely nice character, he's not—you know—he's not the most intelligent guy either. You know, he, at least it's—it's it's not that he's unintelligent. He just—you know—that uh, that one of the characters in the book makes the comment that you know, so is he slow? And you know, somebody's like, well, we we'd prefer the term special. Um, it's almost—it's almost like the town has sheltered him for so long that he just doesn't have a broader understanding of how the world yeah. works, you know. Uh, so, I, and it'll be—I'm cu- curious to see how that shapes out. What I hope it doesn't do, because I think the story would be really easy to make it go dark with now that he's been exposed. I just really hope that you know he's able to maintain uh, his goodness, because that's what I—that's that, what I enjoy so much. There's there's a purity about the character and innocence about the character that I really dig. Yeah, same here, and you know it's funny because we had much the same conversation when Starlight Number One came out. Because I'm like, I am waiting yeah. for the other shoe to drop. I'm waiting for for someone yeah. to get raped or something. Like because right. Miller just he goes dark, and he never did with Starlight. Yeah, that's- yeah. and I, and that, and I love that book. I love that book. I, I, I think you can hand that book to anybody, and they'll turn around and go, "Wow, I did not know that the comics could do that." Right? Um, it's just highly entertaining. It, very satisfying. It's got a beginning, middle, and end. Uh, you know, it's it's not a second act story. Right? It, it 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 resolves and it's satisfying. It sticks the landing, and so I'm highly encouraged that Huck will do much the same. Yeah, fingers crossed. So next issue comes out December yeah. 16th. Um, and I will be picking it up. Ditto, ditto. I, 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 oh, and did you read the back? The back about the 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 talent search. I did. Okay, so uh, Mark Miller, and you know, you, you don't have much time, because <laughs> uh, but he has decided to give back to comics. And so, if you're an aspiring comics writer or an aspiring comics artist, and you've never seen print before. Uh, Mark Miller wants to see your stuff. He is publishing a Miller World Annual later in 2016, and it will feature all new talent. Um, and so he's got a, a group of 20 other professionals that are reviewing submissions with him. You can submit through his Miller World website, which I believe is millerworld.tv. Um, and you, if you're one of the six successful artists or six successful writers, you would be included in the annual coming out later this year. Kind of cool. Yeah, but, but you only have till November 30th to submit. So jump on it. And it's only a five to six page or four to five page um, yeah. story is what they're looking for. So yeah. very, very yeah. – are, are you thinking about entering Aaron? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Because, I, you know, he wants you to write stories for his – 
characters. And, you know, for, I, you know, I, abso- I absolutely would if I had been aware of it beforehand. Um, yeah, I don't know that I can come up with something in a week. Yeah, not for his characters. I mean, if you gave me a Spider-Man story or a Thor story, yeah, I could absolutely knock that out in, in no time. But I don't know his characters well enough. Even though I read Starlight, I don't know his characters well enough to uh, just spin something off. But, you know, somebody does, and uh, I'm sure they'll kick something out. Yeah. So all the details are on MillerWorld.tv. Uh, go out there and check it out. And if you submit something, let us know. We'd love to hear about We'd it. We'd like to know how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. So next week in comic stores, uh, you know, the day before Thanksgiving – because uh, you need that, you're, you know, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna be there with the family. You're gonna want to be able to retreat and read some comic books. So what's coming out, Paul? Your family's all roofied up from the Thanksgiving stuffing. Um, <laughs> the traditional roofies. The traditional roofies. Uh, from DC Comics, as we previously mentioned, Dark Knight Three: The Master Race Number One comes out. Very, very exciting. Uh, yeah, that's gonna be. I, I'm excited about that. Um, and you know, also from DC, some new issues of Robin, Son of Batman, and the second issue of Superman, Lois and Clark. Uh, the Dan oh, good. Uh, Dan Jurgens, yeah. the Weeks book that we we quite enjoyed the first issue. So yeah, absolutely. That if you if you are looking for Christmas ideas for yourself, um, the new line of Batman animated series figures comes out, including Bane, um, the Mad Hatter, Nightwing, and Scarecrow. I'm gonna need all yeah, of that. I, I, I I'm with yeah. you on that. From Marvel Comics. There's not a ton, really. However, Vader. What? Well, I mean, Vader Down, number 13, or excuse me, Darth Vader, number 13, which is the second chapter of Vader Down, comes out, as well as um, the first issues of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur and uh-huh. Venom Space Knight. Venom Space Knight. Yeah, they, don't, they don't have the ROM license anymore, so Venom is their Space right. Knight. Huh. Huh, kind of interested in that, but I'm not buying it, Paul. Providence <laughs> uh, uh, number six comes out from Alan Moore and Avatar, and uh, a book that I'm interested in, Krampus: Shadow of Saint Nicholas, comes out next week, which uh, t- is uh, I don't I don't I think it's a prequel or an official retelling I don't know um, of the new Krampus movie that's coming out. Hmm. 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 I might I might have to check the previews. Yeah, it's on from that. Legendary Press. Legendary hmm. being the you know the the the, imp- the, t- the print imprint of that uh, movie company. Right, right. Well, anything else coming out next That's week? About it. So, Paul, um, I have to watch Jessica Jones. Yes, you will. Um, I, I do need to share something. <sighs> I I don't know if you realized this or not, but in addition to this being Tim's birthday, this is also our three hundredth episode of Funny Books with Aaron. This one right here. This one right here, the one you're recording right now with me, together with one another, is episode 300. Holy crap. Yeah, we have done this 300 times. You intended to do something special. Yeah, we had. But, you know, maybe the special thing is that we took it old school again. And, uh, you know, it's just Aaron and Polly. We don't need those other guys. The dead weight hanging around our, our necks. The albatrosses, as you were, as you will. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's been a good 300 episodes. <laughs> It has. And we're not even going to charge you guys more for this episode, our special 300th episode. We're not. No. In fact, you know what? We're going to make it free. Ah. Yeah. Because, you know, that's how we roll. We're never going to make money this way. (laughs) That is correct. So, uh, anyway, uh, I'm sure we've got another 300 in us. And uh, so, so, you know, join us back here in several years for episode 600. All right. (laughs) Have a good one. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.